Thank you, Lord. How many of you guys say God is worthy today? You know, every time I get confronted with God's goodness, I'm reminded about how worthy he is and how unworthy I am. And we're so grateful that he would see fit to love me. So open up in prayer. Father, Lord, we just want to say thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us so powerfully already in the worship, the wonderful testimony of Jasmine. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that you hide Edwin. Don't let no one see me. May they see you, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, family. Love to be here. Love to be with you guys. Always a privilege when I get an opportunity to share. Um, I want to talk on a topic that I, I think it's super important. Sometimes we don't like to hear it. But it's, the title of the message today is called Fence, Fence Sitter or Sitting on the Fence. I'm going to open up and just get right into God's word. And I'm going to, I'm going to be reading from the NLT. I'm going to break it up in two, te- uh, two sections. So that way as I read through one section, I'll stop and we'll just kind of unpack it together. Okay? I know you guys don't notice I don't have a physical word in front of me. But don't worry. It's right here. I am reading from the word. And if you don't believe me, just check it out yourself. You should be doing that anyway. Acts chapter 26, verses 19 through 23, NLT. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time, so I can testify to everyone, from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. So I'm going to stop right there. Just want to, one thing if you guys want to write down, just one note that really stuck out to me as I was reading this, is obedience to God should compel us to share the good news. Right? Jasmine talked about that, right? Obedience to God. When you're obedient to God, you are, should be, you should be compelled to share the good news. I want you to picture the moment, an audience room filled with all types of powerful people. I don't know how big it was. Maybe it was this big. Maybe it was a little smaller. And in that, room included, uh, in that room was a Roman governor in Festus and a king in Herod Agrippa with all their attention focused on Paul, a single man in chains. Kind of crazy, right? And although the movers and the shakers of his time are eyeing him up and down, he is unfazed because he's able to stand there boldly and proclaim the powerful message of the gospel that Jesus Christ is real. And though he's physically in chains, he is spiritually free in Jesus. How many of you guys can know that you can be in chains, but you can still be in free in Jesus? You can have physical things going on in your life, ailments happening, but you can still be free in Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit now is moving in him, and he understands that these chains have given him one of the greatest opportunities to share the gospel. The very thing that was supposed to keep him down, keep him locked up, those very chains allowing him to speak to the elite. Of that day. That's pretty phenomenal, right? And so Paul, coming to the end of his testimony and the crux of his argument, states his reasoning for his chains. He says, I obeyed the vision from heaven. 
which was to be a witness and a minister of the gospel. Paul made such a strong case before Agrippa and the others because his sole purpose for living and breathing after that heavenly vision at Damascus was to proclaim Jesus in salvation. You see, Paul did not separate the message from his lifestyle. He lived what he's preached. Can I ask you a question? Can the same be said of you today? I thought about it a lot this week. I thought about the many who claim to be Christian, who say with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, only for them to deny him with the way they live. I want to share a um, story with you. I'm big on sharing stories. But I want to share a story of a time when me and my wife, we were uh, living in the Bronx at the time. And um, just so you know, she would tell you, I love food shopping. How many of you guys love food shopping? No, nobody loves food shopping. I love food shopping. I like the coupons. I like getting the savings. When you go to cashier and you see that dollar come off, you're like, yeah. And then once we got the digital coupons, game changer. I was on my phone. I was clipping and I go to BJ's. I scan it and get some coupons and stuff like that. And so me and my wife, we, uh, <clears throat> we didn't have a car, so we had to walk to the different supermarkets around us in the Bronx. And um, on one particular morning, we were walking to get some food. And I love cold cuts. I love, board, it has to be boar's head. Terrible making an ad for Boar's Head. But what's it called? It, had to, it has to be Boar's Head. So we're going to get some cold cuts and I want to get some Italian bread. And uh, it's not like we have Rockland Bakery. Everyone's fighting for like the last two hard pieces of Italian bread in the thing. And so me and uh, my wife get to the supermarket. And for some reason, I don't know what it was about. Can't really tell you. I know it happens. But we were having what we call intense fellowship. Ever happened? <laughs> <laughs> and she stops me. She pulls me aside we're right near the little bread section. And she says, there's people watching you. You got to be like Christ. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And so I remember thinking about what she was saying, and I, um, I, made, it, I made it my effort. I said, listen, I told her, I said, before we go into supermarkets, for now on, I want to make sure I'm like Jesus. I want to make sure I'm like God. Because people are watching us. That's just the truth of the nature, you know, the, the matter. They're watching you. And so um, long story short, I'm going to Food Town one day, and my wife calls me up and says, hey, can you go get some chicken? Uh, we're going to cook. I have to work. So I go, and um, I'm going to the cashier, and the lady says, why are you smiling so much? Why are you so joyful? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was not in a good mood. It wasn't the best day. Um, and at first, I was like, what's going on? And I, and I was like, oh, I just want to go home. And then God said, I want you to tell her why you're joyful. And so I got to share with her Jesus. And I talked about how God made me laugh and God makes me smile. And that's why I say God bless you to people. And I can't tell you that we had a crazy conversion moment at the cashier. First, there was a line and people were already getting annoyed that I was talking about Jesus. But I will tell you this. They're like, hurry up. I want to go. Um, but I will tell you this. Ever since that time, every time I went to Food Town, when she saw me, God bless you. Jesus loves you. It gave me an opportunity to share the good news. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And if you're hearing this, I hope you came to know who Jesus is. You see, we are being watched and we can't separate the, good, good, the goodness of God and the gospel from our lives, guys. We can't live one way and, uh, or talk one way and live another way. It just doesn't work. You see, Paul understood that the message of the cross was the only thing that was going to bring about change. 
And so it was funny. I was getting ready to prepare for this mes- uh, message, and I was going through some last-minute stuff yesterday. I was just praying, and I got a notification about a, a, an ad that was going to be, um, you know, shown at a small little game that's happening today called the Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, it was called He Gets Us. It's this Christian ad that was going to be $100 million they're going to spend for two, uh, two spots, a 30-second and a 60-second spot. And I appreciate the sentiment, I really do, that, that Christ understands us. But can I be honest, it falls woefully short of pointing people to the cross. It uses all these cool hashtags and names, and the other, but it never brings people to the cross at all. You see, it's not enough for people to know that God gets you. They need to know that God loves you and went to a cross for you. It would be way better if he said instead of he gets you, he loves you and he died for you and you need Jesus. Oh, can you imagine what it would have done then? They need to know, people need to know that he went to a cross for them. And without that great love, without the great love of God, we will be forever separated by him. And that's a hard truth, I get it. But it's a truth that has to be told. You see, you and I can't turn to God unless we first repent. And our actions afterwards should prove our repentance. You understand? You can't separate the two. And Paul understands this. That's why they're looking at him. The next thing I want to point out is when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, whenever we share the good news of Jesus Christ, people are bound to get upset. You ever happened? You're at a dinner table. You're with friends or family. You start talking about Jesus. People start talking, you bigot. You're extreme. You're crazy. You're racist. I'm like, I'm Puerto Rican. How is that possible? <laughs> Jesus wasn't even white. Arab or you know, Jewish. Got the dark color going on. Um, in this case, the Jewish people were angry that Paul would share this life-changing news that Jesus was the Messiah, he resurrected, and that salvation was for all people, not just the Jew. And it was for that very reason that he was going to be locked up. Whenever you and I choose to stand for Christ, whenever we choose to share a word that can change someone's life, understand you will be hated. Why? Because you're sharing a word that changes the trajectory of that person's soul. It's soul changing. And the enemy hates that. You understand? You think he goes around saying, oh, Pastor Edwin, share a good word. No. He hates that. So he raised people up. All types of rumors and stuff like that. But listen, guys, don't let the fear of pushback, of being canceled, stop you from sharing. When you choose to obey God, God will protect you. You see, that's what Paul said. He said, I'm obeying God. I'm protected. But Paul, you're unchanged. I'm protected. God's kept me. God will keep you whenever you choose to take a stand. So I'm going to share a story with you guys. I shared some story once with uh, Tuesday Night Prayer, but I want to share with you guys. Um, I love sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something I love to do. You can ask my wife. It doesn't matter if I'm at a restaurant. It doesn't matter if I'm at the supermarket. It doesn't matter if I'm at the bank. Um, I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's everything. That's all. Uh, he's everything to me. And when someone's everything to you, you're sharing that news, right? You're telling how good he is. And so there was one time, though, there's been a couple of times, but there was one time I was really, really scared. Really, really scared of what was going to happen if I shared the gospel. So anybody familiar with the subway? Not subway is the, where you get the subs. I'm, I'm talking about the subway. So um, who's in the Bronx? Probably Anybody from the Bronx out here? Oh, we got some Bronx people. Okay, so I was on the sixth train. Me and my wife was coming home uh, late from Times Square Church where we had worked at the time. And I was really, really tired. And anybody knows right about rush hour, the trains get really, really packed. People are just pushing you in. You're just like 
diving in. And it doesn't help that I'm short. I'm 5'3". She's 4'11". We're just itty-bitty. And we're running in, and we're trying to get into uh, this train. And we finally do get in. And it was like, it was like somebody pushed us in. And so we're just sitting there. It's all sweaty and just gross. And finally, it made me one stop in. Denise finds a seat. I see a seat. I say, babes, run for it. So she's just like ducking and diving. She gets in. And then we get to like 86th Street. And the train just like empties out. I'm like, wow, it's a miracle. And so I go and I sit there and I just close my eyes because I'm tired. Which, by the way, you don't close your eyes on the subway. It's not a good thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I close my eyes on the subway. And then when I open them up, I don't know what happened. You know, the train jerks. And I open my eyes up and I see this guy just looking at us across from me. Like this gangster looking guy. Just, just like eyes glazed and just looking at me. And so I'm looking back and I'm looking at my wife. And we're, we're going on the train, and all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord says, I want you to tell him about Jesus. <laughs> no, God. No. I want to tell you about Jesus right now. I want to live. <laughs> and so I tell my wife, and she's looking at me, and she's like, mm, you, really, you really think so? I'm like, yeah, I feel it. So I say, hey, listen, if he is gone by Hunt's Point, it wasn't the Lord. You know, my hope was we're going to hit 125th. And everyone's going to let out four or five. All those trains are going to be meeting there. They're going to let out. I'm good. My man is still there at Hunts Point. Still looking. <laughs> Mad creepy. I'm just sitting there like, oh. So I get up. So I go up. I say, hey, um, you don't know me. I don't know you. My name's Edwin. I'm a Christian. Jesus loves you. Guy starts crying. Crying. I mean, bawling, crying. He starts sharing with me. He's a Latin King member. He was all through going through all these different things, and he was high as a kite. And the reason why he's probably standing at me, he's so high as a kite, he didn't realize. He's just staring. He's high. That's what they do. High, you stare. And so he's staring, and we're just talking, and we share. I'm talking to him, and my wife is just like, yo, this is crazy. And we're just like talking. And at the end of the trip, before I get to Parkchester where we lived, he gives his heart to Christ. Life changed forever. God kept me safe because I chose to obey. God kept me. And now I'm not saying, hey, listen, if I didn't chose to obey, who knows what happened? Maybe I would have got jumped. Maybe I would have been messed up. I don't know. <laughs> but God kept me because I chose to obey. So we're going to continue on. Acts chapter 26, verses 24 to 32. It says, suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. Paul replied, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is the sober truth, and King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I'm sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. He's saying, hey, listen, this is done out in the open. This wasn't hidden. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you could persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same, as I, the same as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. As they went out, they talked it over and agreed. This man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Okay. So everything else before that was just an introduction. This is the main point of the service. I want you guys to focus. If you didn't focus anything else, forget the sandwiches, forget everything else. Focus right here. The danger, I'm telling this part, the danger of a Christ appeal and an almost faith. 
You're insane, Paul, was the shout of the man who was unable to reconcile Paul's chains with Paul's joy. You see, Festus could not understand why this man was able to proclaim the things he did with such conviction. And to some extent, he was really right. For you see, Paul looked absolutely foolish before the powers that be. Let me give you some example. One, Paul was a prisoner in change, yet he claimed to be happy. That's found in Acts chapter 26, verse 2. He also insisted that God can raise the dead. That's found in Acts chapter 26, verses 8 and 23. He experienced a supernatural vision, and it changed his life because of it. Acts 26, 14 through 19. Listen, by the way, what Paul experienced wasn't always common. God speaking from the clouds or the heavenlies to, to, to talk to you, your life change. But today I know a lot of people talk to themselves and we think it's okay. I get it. But back then you're creepy and you're crazy if you're talking to yourself. You're like, I changed my life because I heard somebody from a cloud. It was audible and I'm blind. Made well. And then lastly, he believed, uh, wait, no, he was more uh, concerned about sharing the gospel of Jesus than his personal freedom. And he believed in the message of hope and redemption for all humanity, not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile as well. He believed it for everybody. You see, when you and I live out our faith and share the gospel with truth and sincerity, many will call you insane. Many will call you a fanatic and an extremist just because you choose to believe that life starts in the womb and you believe in a right definition of marriage, that that's a union between a man and a woman. Listen, if you go all in for Jesus, expect the world to hate you. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. Let them hate. I was almost persuaded, was the reply of King Agrippa, the perpetual fence-sitter, just chilling on the fence, who confronted with the sorry state of his soul could only muster up enough faith to have almost faith in Jesus, who could have truly set him free. His reply to the gospel invitation is quite pitiful. You see, because he had an almost faith in Christ. Let me tell you what an almost faith is. It really meant that he almost was a Christian. That means he almost had eternal life. And that he, most, he almost will be delivered from the judgment of hell. But ultimately, almost is not enough. Listen, no one talks about almost people. Today when the game is over and, and the teams win and lose, no one says, you I almost made the touchdown. It was five yards away. No one cares. No one cares. It's only one winner. That's the same thing with almost. Almost is terrible because it just really means you didn't go all in. You see, there are many reasons why one may choose to draw near to God but never come close enough to be saved. But in King Agrippa's life, and if I'm honest, and I want to assume here, in many of your own lives, it boils down to the people who are sitting around us. Listen to what I'm about to say. On one side stood his wife, Bernice, who, by the way, was his sister. Like, not a half-sister, his sister. He was in an incestuous relationship that was filled with types, all types of gross depravity. Uh, she was a sinful woman, a wretched companion. He was a senior too, but I'm just kind of breaking it down. And he realized that becoming a Christian would mean losing her. He was unwilling to make that sacrifice. On the other side was the governor, Festus, a man who thought Paul and his faith was crazy. You see, if Agrippa made a choice to follow Christ, then surely he would lose favor with the Roman governor. And if he associated himself with Christ, others would think him loony. 
he was unwilling to make that sacrifice. Agrippa, like many, loved the praise of man so much so, so much so that he made so compromising decisions. Can I ask you a question? Whose approval are you trying to win today? Who are you trying to win? Listen to how Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If people pleasing were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You can't do both. Let me just say something real quick. If I got up here today and I shared a message or any pastor got up here and we shared a message because we want to please you, one, run away, and two, that's not God. I can't serve God and serve you guys. You understand? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to preach what he puts in my heart. And then lastly, in front of King Agrippa was Paul, a righteous man, a man of wisdom and character, but a man in prison, uh, in prison chains. Maybe he thought to himself, if I become a Christian, I may end up in chains, just like Paul. I may lose my standing and possibly my freedom from going all in with Christ. So he was unwilling to make that sacrifice. And listen, sometimes, guys, when we see Christianity, like real Christianity, it's really hard because there's some sacrifices. There's some suffering that has to happen. It's just the nature of the walk. And I remember in my own life, I was just thinking about this. I didn't get to share this in the first service, but I was reflecting on it as we worship. When I first um, came to, to Christ and everything, and, and, I, and I, I felt like I was going to be a pastor, I thought I was going to be like some pastor with a mega church and jets and the finest, the finest things and fine dining and everything else. I had this crazy expectation of what pastoral ministry was. And I, I thought if I work at a church, and the first job I got at church was maintenance, cleaning toilets, Humbling situation, backbreaking, but absolutely life-changing. You see, my expectations of what Christianity was and what Christianity is were totally different. And I think so many people, we think that. We say, well, this is what Christianity is, this perfect thing, and everything's going to be roses, and then you'll suddenly, your family's sick and they have cancer. And that scares you, so you're unwilling to make the sacrifice to go in. Listen closely, family. Herod couldn't see that although Paul was in physical chains, it was King Agrippa that was in bondage and on death row. And some of you guys in this room are on death row. You think, you think that you're good, but you're not. And I'm, I'm saying this in love. Listen, I'm saying this with a hard love. I want to share a story. Worship team can get ready to come. I'm going to share a story of a young man named Joshua. Uh, a friend of my brother, a couple of years back, maybe I'd say seven, eight years ago, my brother befriended a young man, and they got really, really close. And my brother is not maybe the most um, out there Christian. He knows who God is. He loves the Lord to an extent. But he, um, he wanted to share the gospel with his friend. And so he invited somebody to a church. Right to, uh, he invited his friend to church, Times Square Church, to watch the cross and switchblade, the play that was happening at the time. And so Joshua comes and he goes to church. They do the altar call. Elijah's on, my younger brother's on one side, I'm on the other side. We talk a little bit, and I'm sharing, hey, this is an opportunity for you to go forward. If you feel in your heart, this is God. Make a choice. 
Um, you know, he thinks on it. He's like, well, he's not really ready. I'm not really ready. Young man, he's about 18, 19 maybe. I'm not really ready. So I felt like I'm not going to force him, right? We don't force people here. Understand? No one gets forced into this. And so he goes and he goes. We go home and we drop him off and he's home the next day. A week or so later, I know my, um, my brother, I don't know if he's getting gifts for, for Joshua because it's going to be his birthday or he's getting gifts because it's um, going to be near Christmas. I, don't, I can't really tell you why. But about a week after that, I get a call. My brother's in tears. I mean, crime, crime. And I, uh, he's crying so much. You ever had that call when someone's crying so much they don't even speak properly? And so at first, I think something happened to my brother, mom. Somebody, somebody is hurting. He goes, Joshua's dead. I said, what do, you, what do you mean Joshua's dead? He said, Joshua's dead. And um, how, how did he die? And this is what it was. His mom and dad were both deaf and mute. He woke up in the morning to take a shower. He slipped to his head. Couldn't probably even hear him crying because they're deaf and mute. So they found his son. They were in the, same, they were in the room right, up, right next to him. And they found their son dead, drowned in their tub. It's this close, but not close enough. And now listen, I'm not saying he could have not made a last-minute, last-ditch Hail Mary effort and say, Jesus, come in my life. But the likelihood of you hitting your head, losing consciousness, is you're done. There's some in the room today, you guys are sitting on the fence. You have been approached by both the powers of darkness and of the light, Jesus Christ. And maybe you're figure, just like Joshua, I'm not going to make any decision. I just wait. I got time. And so you think nothing's going to happen. But listen, what you don't realize is that Satan owns the fence. By you not making a choice, you're actually making a choice. It's making a choice for death. Then you have Paul. I would to God, not only you, but also all who hear me today. It was the cry of the man who had it right all along. He knew that the chains that shackled him were only for a short time and that despite them, he was actually really free. You see, Paul saw what others couldn't because Paul had faith in Jesus. And according to Hebrews chapter 11, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Let me just tell you what it's really saying. It says what you see in your physical is not really the real thing. Paul understood that there was way more to it. And so he was able to say, yeah, I'm locked up. I'm in chains, but I'm free. I'm free. Come on, church. For you guys who have faith in the house, you know what I mean. You can experience freedom and a peace and a joy when the enemy is breathing down your back. The walls are closing in. Your family's all in disarray because we have a hope in Jesus, the one who can change us, the one who can change the situation. We know that there's a God who can change things. That's faith. We have faith. Our faith in Jesus allows us for moments at times, just at a time to see the next step, the next moment. The next respite, you know, the next like a uh, peace. It allows us to see the end game. And church, we win. Family, times are tough. Society is crazy. But we know that our Redeemer lives. 
and we are free. We know that we have eternal life forevermore. So today, as the worship team gets ready, I'm going to make two invitations. Two invitations to only two types of people. And let me just tell you, there's only two types of people in this room today. Okay? The first is to the unbeliever. You're here today? Maybe you visit a church. Maybe you're listening to it. You're hanging around Christian family and friends, but deep down in your heart, you know, you know you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. You're just sitting there on the fence. Doesn't that fence hurt? Stabbing you? This is for you. Second call. Let me just say something before I move on to it. Just think about conversation. You heard a young lady talk about giving up the cult, giving up darkness. Some of you may even be in darkness right now, in occult behaviors, doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, watching things you know you shouldn't be watching, and you hate yourself. You don't even think you're going to make it today. It hurts just to breathe. You need to let go. Don't sit on the fence. If that's you, this is your chance. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute. And the second call is for the believer. But you haven't totally gone all in with God. You're just kind of there, lukewarm, existing. You know where you need to be, but you really haven't taken a stand lately for the gospel. You spend very little time in the Bible. Maybe you just get your five seconds in and verse of the day at you version. You find yourself far away from where you know you need to be. But you know today you can have a faith that compels people to look and consider the gospel. Don't you want that? You're walking around. This man loves Jesus. They see Jesus in your life. Listen, church, family, this is an opportunity. Jesus is drawing you. Jesus is drawing you. Who cares what other people think? Come on, they're not going to be with you no more. Who cares? And don't be prideful. Maybe you guys are feeling this way because your leaders in a, in a ministry, a church, and you need to be up here. You know you need to be up here. But you don't want to come up here because you're worried about what someone thinks. Who cares? No one cares. It's all in your mind. Jesus loves you. He's pulling you close, drawing you near to him. Life forever changed. Don't allow shame and people's thoughts to stop you from coming up. So this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. We're going to worship. As we worship, everyone's going to stand. And then those who want to come and meet me, Pastor Sal, and any other pastor, and the elders, and deacons, and deaconess who are going to pray, we're going to pray for you. This is your opportunity. If you're on the fence, get over here. Don't be a fence-sitter. First of all, it hurts. It hurts. Secondly, you don't know what's tomorrow like. And then my believers, mm -hmm. I love Jesus. Only on Sunday. Opportunity. Opportunity right here. So, everyone, let's stand.
Stand together. Worship team is going to worship as they worship. Come and join me. Join us. And we're going to get up. I'm going to, we're going to be praying for you at the altar. And then I'm going to also pray for those who don't know who Jesus is. That's okay. And we're going to pray. Love you, family. Let's pray. Let's worship. Come and join us. Don't let this pass you by. Amen. <laughs>